seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to Color of Magic, episode 168, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from the gaming tables and computers. As always, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 168 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Oh, it, is, uh, it is wild times, but... Uh... We had one of our cold snaps, <laughs> but but nothing. The grid held. I guess is the story here. The, the power grid held. Man, speaking of cold snaps, did you see the footage? There was a place I think it was in Ontario that not just like snow, but a straight up ice storm came through and no. covered the whole city. And they were taking pictures, and dude, it looks like little ice sculptures. Oh, like wow. somebody just cut out carved ice into a bunch of little houses. Like it's the craziest looking thing. Like you need to look it up if y'all haven't seen it. Like it's, it it doesn't look real to be honest. Like Absolutely. it was almost like I I questioned if it was like okay, is this really a real thing? And I had to go look it up because it doesn't even look like you're looking at real footage in the video. It's it's crazy. Another fun thing, I don't even know I told you this about yet, Brian. But kind of behind the scenes, as you don't know, we record with a a site and software called ZenCaster. They are actually opening. I guess they're doing a funding round. And one of the things they decided to do is they opened up their options to people that use their service first. So nice. you get a chance to buy into ownership of Zencaster. And I think for a little, like the low end's like a hundred bucks, which probably gets you like 0.001% or something. Yeah. But like, <laughs> cause yeah. I think they're going to have like a $23 million cap or something like that. But still pretty cool that, a company's doing that because they don't really have to. But I think the yeah, idea, and we've, you know, and, and we've really loved it and enjoyed it. And I mean, I just, oh, yeah, it for, as we said, 100 and it was 168. Was it? It's been great, you know, and I would I would think from the way they're talking, they're pi- trying to turn the site into an all in one hosting service for podcasts as well, especially since they're getting out of where they can uh, do transcriptions. So and it, w- it wasn't great in the beginning, but it's getting better. So as it gets better, we're going to start adding the transcribe stuff as well for people who are uh, deaf or hard of hearing. You'll be able to download the transcripts. So like lots of cool stuff they're working on on the website. And I just thought that was like a neat kind of update to let the pupple, public pupple, the public know about that that's going on. So that's actually really cool. And they didn't pay us to say any of that. We just been using it and we like it. So we just, yeah, I would, I would love to be sponsored by Zencaster, to be honest. Like we were putting it out there in the universe. Yeah. Like they're just, it's, it's just a really good, easy to use service. Matter of fact, I got turned on to it. I think initially by, uh, Brian Gottlieb, uh, the, from the arena Decklist podcast. Okay. I think he was one of the people I talked to about it early on, like right as we were starting and, it was on my short list, and so I was asking people about the different services. He even said good things, and they've loved it, so yeah. But before we get into the show, you know you got to tell you about some sponsors, and you need to go check out our folks over at Cardsphere.com. Great website, great people, and it's a different way to buy, sell, and trade Magic cards. And they have an active Discord, so if there's ever any issues, or you want to check conditions of stuff, or even just want to communicate with the other possible trade partners you have. That's very cool. But their biggest feature is that you can name the price you want to buy or sell something for, which is something you can't do on other websites easily. So it's really cool. Worth checking out. Uh, I've had some of my followers go over and start using it, and they've had positive experiences. Some of them even got their first cards in like the first week. So 
That was really cool. But go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And you can check us out over at patreon.com slash color magic. If you want to support the show, just like our newest patron, Delaney Manders, thank you so much. You will have a postcard in the mail along with some other goodies. And as always, if you want to get some other fun stuff and rep the show while you're out having fun in public and you just need to put your cards on something nice and fancy or even just need to mark your tokens with stuff, you can go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop and get yourself hooked up. All right, let's get in. This is going to be kind of a fun show this week, even how we're going into our soapbox. Now, I want to start by saying some of you may not know, I guess, the uh, cultural significance, if you will, of a Waffle House or even of a Popeye's, like depending on the region you're from or whatever. Because I don't think we have Waffle Houses up here in the Pacific Northwest, at least not in Western Washington or whatever. But and when I was in Atlanta, apparently Atlanta has like 120 Waffle Houses, which is wow. bananas. Like I was That's literally like, like Starbucks like numbers, right? We're just on every corner. Yeah, for real. Like if you're down at the the we were whatever the big CNN hotel, whatever thing is near downtown, right? We were there for an event. I remember telling somebody. They were asking, like, hey, where's the nearest Waffle House? I'm like, oh, you just go three blocks, you hang a right, boom, boom. We were there last night. And dude I'm next to goes like, oh, no, no, it's the other direction. It's like three, two blocks that way or whatever. I was like, nah, dude, seriously, we, we just came back from there last night. I can walk you to it. The guy's like, no, we went and had lunch over this. So I'm like, wait a minute. So we pull out our phones and we're like, you're telling me there's two Waffle Houses within five blocks? <laughs> That's what they're telling you. Yeah, just with the different directions. So yeah, Waffle Houses is, is a legit thing in some spots. Subways are notorious for that too, because you know they don't they they, they franchise them out. So you know if you want to build one right across the street from another one, they they don't care. They've got their money already. They also like, have ooh. that issue that Starbucks does, where there will be one inside of like a Walmart or inside yeah. of a mall or whatever. But then like just across the street, there's a regular just standalone one. Yeah. But I, I bring up Waffle House and Popeyes because for whatever reason, people still want to start crap with employees at these restaurants. Now, let me say first and foremost, you should not be harassing any employee at any job just trying to do their job, right? If they ain't doing nothing to you and they're delivering the service that they are paid to give you, cool, leave them alone. You wouldn't want them bothering you at your job doing whatever it is you do. Let them do their job, take your crap, get the hell out. That being said, for whatever reason, there is a weird cultural phenomenon that people want to keep trying the employees at these places. And this was brought up because this week I saw three more videos of people trying to start fights at these places. Now, it's not like you're starting a fight here with other customers. These are people trying to start fights with employees. Now, I will say first and foremost, Waffle House is probably going to be the cheapest dinner in a show you're going to find anywhere, right? If you you want to get you some decent food and you want to see some stuff go down that's kind of exciting at two, three, four in the morning, roll up to a Waffle House. You'll get dinner in a show for like 15 bucks. <laughs> Sad, but not inaccurate. <laughs> but real talk, like, here's the thing about these two restaurants, right? Waffle House will hire ex-cons. Like, they will hire real criminals, people that did real hard time. And Popeye's, 
if y'all forgot about the chicken sandwich debacles that went down where they were just running out of chicken sandwiches, they literally had to deal with actual murderers, people killing each other over chicken sandwiches. Ain't do nobody you, sandwich that good, folks. <laughs> do you think anybody in either of those situations is going to give a damn that you've got an attitude at two, three in the morning? Seriously. Hell, in the latest video, one lady comes up with a chair. She's hauling a chair across the restaurant, threatening one of the, the staffers at the Waffle House. The lady behind the counter, she's giving the rock just the just bring it. <laughs> and the lady throws the chair at her. She stone cold blocks that thing. And then just looks at her and says, that's all you got. And I'm like, that's it. Fight's over. Like, you you bring a weapon. The person says, let's do it. And then they don't even respond to your weapon shot. It's time for you to... She's a protagonist at that yeah. point. <laughs> you know, it's just... time for you to walk on. Don't keep trying those people. That's how you get your ass whooped. Seriously. I don't understand. I don't get it. I, why? Why do people keep doing this? You're doing the anime move. Like, you should not have come here. <laughs> like, that's exactly scared. it. Because I looked at that and went, ooh, that woman's a badass. And by the right. way, every, every single time somebody comes across the counter at one of these places, they already got more than a two-piece. They got a four or five-piece before they even get up off the ground on the other side. Like, these staffers are ready to throw down, y'all. And they ain't getting fired. Like, I've seen videos that have some of the same people in them. So it ain't like you think, oh, you hit me, I'm going to get you fired. Like, if it's remotely justified, obviously they got some part of the company playbook or whatever that says you're good <laughs> or whatever. You came across the counter drunk, whatever. Like, they, it, I don't know why people are doing it. Has, has any wrestling promotion had a Waffle House match? If not, that, that needs to be a thing. Dude, somebody actually said, like, that should be one of the stages in a fighting game. Right, a while it's just to the point now where, it's, as you say, it's just every like almost weekly. Dude, I was thinking, why hasn't GTA just had sponsored Waffle House and Popeye spots? Hey, six is in the works. Uh, it might be in there because you know what I'm saying. Like that'd be cool. Like, and it would be fitting. Why not? And then if you just went and did something ignorant in one of those places, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just par for the course now. It, every week. I think the thing that gets me is that in both places, it's never about somebody trying to steal money or anything like that. It's literally just somebody thinks they can talk trash to these employees. The employees say something back and then they're just like, I don't know, just you can't talk to me that way, even though they started it or whatever. And then try to get get in it and they just catch hands every time. Typical Karen behavior. If it's not the consequences of my own actions. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, man. It's just weird. Because honestly, I ain't lying. Like, I've been at a Waffle House at 2 in the morning. I ain't trying to mess with nobody. As, you know, a comedian, murder mystery actor, you know I have. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking, like, I'm glad nobody has had us play Waffle House. Because that could give you have a dinner at a show. Like, uh-uh. You know? Dude, and I've watched videos in both of these where... Somebody at Popeye's is doing their job, dropping some chicken in the fry or whatever. Somebody comes over, they drop five or six bombs on them real quick, turn right back around and flip the fries. Like, ain't nothing even happened. Like, <laughs> For me, it was Tuesday. I mean, especially somebody like Waffle House, you're coming across kind of where they got, like, knives they're cutting up steaks and stuff with behind it. Like, they got weapons in their hands. It's crazy how many people just don't think about these things. And hell, I'm waiting for the one time somebody messes up and comes over and they just put you on that hot ass griddle. Like, cause you know, that's going to happen sooner or later. 
Just in general. <laughs> not not that I fight ever. I think my last actual fight was probably in eighth grade, but just why would you ever pick a fight with somebody you don't know? Because you you don't know. They could be a master of jujitsu or an MMA person. Not just you that. You have no idea. It's somebody you don't know on their turf. Exactly. With their friends around while they've got weapons. <laughs> like nothing in that says this is going to benefit you. If it's somebody, you know, you know, if somebody that's at your school or your cousin or somebody like, yeah, I know he ain't. I know he can't throw hands. Let's go. Exactly. Stranger? No. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get it. I never have. I never will. Just like leave the people at these restaurants alone, y'all. They are trying to do their job. Like they ain't got time for you. I, I, but hell, like I said, if you just want to see something go down, it's practically guaranteed a couple times a week at a Waffle House or a Popeye's. Just go grab a meal and sit down. Somebody's going to come in and say something stupid. All right. That's it. That's my stint. I'm, I'm going to pass this over. Yeah, uh, another wild week in the NFL with concussions. Tua from Tackle from the Dolphins. This is, I believe, concussion number three this season in uh, maybe uh, what three to four month span. Another yeah. concussion where it wasn't diagnosed during the game. He did after the game. He you know he, he, he I think three, three interceptions of the last three drives of the game. Or uh, what's going on? And then, oh yeah, by the way, he was concussed again. And there's supposed to be concussion protocols in place. So there's something happens to you during the game. They can get you out. And look. So this is at least the second game out of the three concussions where apparently no protocols were put in place. It wasn't diagnosed during the game. Just, hey, after it's like, oh, by the way, concussion. And then we had another game. Uh, the, I believe it was the, the Monday night game with the Chargers where Derwin James led with his head and hit someone so hard that both the player delivering the tackle and the person on the receiving end of the tackle both enter concussion protocol. Yeah, like that second one doesn't bother me so much, other than like, you know, they do everything they can to tell you. Hell, they tell you even in, in junior high and high school football, don't, don't like, leave I with just, your head. It's frightening how many players don't seem to I they have to have heard about it. It's oh just, definitely it's just, they don't care, which is considering what we know about CTE now is just frightening to me. Hell, we've had players where they both went to hit somebody and they missed the actual person trying to tackle and hit each other, and those yeah. two players have gone out concussed. So, yeah, I just, I just think it's a matter of the NFL is full of dudes that are so big, going so fast. Like, imagine two different people running 20 miles an hour at each other. Yeah. You know, head first. Right? That somebody's going to take some damage. Right? It's a miracle we don't have it on every single play, honestly. Well, I heard a doctor describe, you know, somebody said, hey, what's it like to play in the NFL? Just just from, a, you know, your standpoint as a doctor. He said, tell you what, go outside, put on pads, helmet, the whole football, you know, uniform. If you have a garage at home, put your head down, run full speed into your garage as hard as you can. Repeat the process about 24, 25 times. Then you'll know what it's like to have played in an NFL game. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. I don't I don't know what more they can really do. You know, I I cuz I mean, I think what, at least once rules are put in place, they can make sure they obey those because it's just especially somebody like Tua that we has already become unfortunately the poster child for in-game concussions. It's just Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
mind-boggling that this that after everybody saw, you know, the first time they failed to diagnose a concussion, that it could happen again to the same person. That's just yeah, like in in that case, there's like the real question of okay, hey, is our is our process not good enough to catch this immediately? I don't know if it is or not, but like that's question one. Then the other is okay, if it is, then who's the crappy doctor that let him go back into the ball game? Right, and I have to bring it up because it's relevant. The Dolphins have essentially been caught cheating at football already three or four times in the past year, where they. I think I talked to Tom Brady and Sean Payton while they were both, you know, under contract to other people, which is considered tampering and not legal. <laughs> which is funny because so Payton could still end up being the coach of the Dolphins. Right? <laughs> but they would, have to, I guess, probably owe the Saints or somebody some draft picks, but it's still, I, if he wants to sign a contract there, for them, for I understand, he will be allowed to do that. Yeah, the whole thing on, on concussions is tough, though. I don't... Like, players are still getting fined. They are st- throwing more flags. Somebody got ejected just last week, actually, in one of the games. Got got uh, thrown out. So, and I don't think his was, like, ba- like, personally, I thought it it was a hit you shouldn't have made, but I didn't think it was bad enough to warrant the ejection. It definitely was a penalty, you know, but yeah. either way, they are at least erring on the side of caution and try to discourage people from doing that. And there's been a lot of stuff too, where they're working with like, I think four different companies to design a whole variety of helmets Yeah, and they're testing. You saw the weird padded helmet they have for practices. Like that's a thing they're using now. So that you don't get just unnecessary injuries, even practicing. Like they're, they're I, doing a lot of stuff. I just don't know if we can ever get rid of them. And I know one thing that they shouldn't do, but are continuing to do is to continue to expand the length of the season. Yeah, I I think, and I thought about this before, like, I think we are eventually going to end up in an 18 game season. Oh, we absolutely are. As they end, especially if you expand the league, I think you're going to see another two to four teams come on at some point. And I think that's going to affect things. But I think you also have to expand the rosters. Yes, because we're already, even before anybody gets injured, there aren't 32 NFL caliber quarterbacks. There's just about, I'm going to say, easily eight teams that don't have a, yeah. a real quarterback, basically. And well, even, before be, even beyond that, I think just for game day, you know, you have your 57-man roster or whatever it is, or 52-man roster, but you need to be able to rotate more players if you're going to play a longer season, right? Even, even if it's just like, okay, the, the rosters have to be able to bring at least, let's say, 10 linemen, three quarterbacks, six receivers, you know, whatever. So you can keep these people fresh and healthy and, you know, they can play in a safe manner the entire time, right? Because, I mean, hell, do you see that? And obviously I'm a Cowboys fan, but, like, you see the Cowboys game at the end where Micah Parsons was so tired and wore down, he literally was looking at the sideline saying, like, I need y'all to call a timeout. Yeah. And they almost didn't do it. (laughs) But I'm like, dude, your best defensive player that everybody says is one of the best players in the league is so worn down. He's just openly being obvious of like y'all. I like I need a breather. <laughs> right? Like, like yeah, y'all gotta. They, if y'all ain't gonna like rotate it, you gotta call a timeout so I can be in for the last play at least. Because they're only going as far as uh, he's gonna take him on defense. Yeah. So like, it's already rough, and you know, and you know, and they're gonna play what three games in twelve days or something like that because they play it on the holidays and whatever. That, so, yeah, that's one of the other problems. Yeah, so it's going to be a really short one. Now, admittedly, after that, they get like a 10 or 12 day rest or whatever till the yeah. next Sunday. But it's still one of those things that you have to look and say, like, hey, we're already having issues with player injuries or whatever. 
if you extend the season, that's only going to get worse because that's less recovery time or whatever. So I think that's the only other solution. And thank God they didn't have a serious COVID outbreak because when those are had, you would end up with games where like where there's a, there's a Monday game, there's a Tuesday game, there's a Wednesday game. Which yeah, it's great for people that love to watch football, but it just doesn't give people time to recover. Man, that that was wild for a while. Like we had weeks where I think like five days of the week we had NFL yeah. games happening. <laughs> Which was so strange. Yeah, even as a huge fan, like, okay, yeah, this is while it's great to have that to turn on, you just know that there's no way everybody's getting enough rest. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I, I think that's that's the only solution there. But yeah, it's a good call out though, because it's definitely it's it's also weird too, because for like you're saying, you know, basically every play is like a car wreck, you know, yeah. but we'll go weeks where there'll be nothing. You know, and then it just seems like a week like last week where there's like two, three, four of them, you know, mm-hmm. just almost in back to back games that are televised, even just, you know, just just ugly situation that it just happens like that. And this it, is me saying to somebody, I, I'm part of the NFL economy. I stream Madden. I play fantasy football and do all the things. You know, for I'm sure. Just trying to, you know, I, I know people say hey, you are you are contributing to this. But, yeah, I, I do believe there's some way that it's it's NFL football is never going to be safe. But there are a lot of things that we can do to make it better than what we're currently getting. Oh, yeah. And, and it's tough, too, because we see players in all sports take injuries. You know, we we see it in soccer. Hell, baseball players take yeah. straight pitches and they have problems. MMA. But, just... Yeah. So so I don't think we're going to avoid injury entirely. And CT Bay is saying, like, well, we just cannot play football. Like, that's that'll just be something else. You know, it'll be yeah. rugby or it'll be whatever. Like, there's just going to be something. So you just have to make it as safe as you possibly can. All right, it's that time of the week. And I think we have some fun stuff to talk about here. So why don't we tell everybody what it is we learned this week? Because I think you're going to surprise people. Yeah, uh, a game we've been uh, talking about a lot on here, RPG called Forspoken. It's really come under fire for having a... First of all, we we have a a black female character. So that's a good thing. That's something we want to see more of in video games. But then... She was immediately described by a bunch of white folks as having a a, a hip hoppy walking style, and you know she's a unique character because she was almost going to prison before she started this game. Like, wait, no, this is not this is not the representation we were looking for from our black video game and you know TV characters and whatnot. But there is a demo for Forspoken out now on uh, PS Five, so. You see, gonna at least attempt to play it and see if this is even a thing that is redeemable at this point because they've been taking a bunch of hits to put it mildly. So, do you know how long the demo is yet? Um, I have not downloaded it yet, but I don't remember it saying that it was a huge download file. So, so probably, probably like the first level or something. Yeah, maybe probably a, maybe an hour or so, just to get enough to get kind of get you to feel like it's something you want to want to buy or not i'm trying to see now if it says specifically how many hours you get with this or how many yeah and and i think to your point you know we brought this up before i think it's unfortunate because you on the one hand you're like hey you're gonna give a lead black female in a video game a fantasy video game right this is gonna be really cool yeah and then you read the backstory you're like oh so y'all just grabbed all the tropes and made a character like yeah you might as well not done it right because you could have easily just been like, 
she could you even done one of those stories where like she she was just woke up in this fantasy world doesn't know what's going on she's always been a fan of blah blah you know whatever cool and they just have normal fantasy adventure right or she's her lineage is something of some major monarchy blah blah whatever cool character right same thing you would have done for any other thing but because it was a black character you went that route and it's like ah that feels a little bad yeah like, i don't know i i in a way though it creates this weird paradox right where like you kind of want it to succeed for the sake of representation yeah, because you just know that if this thing comes out and sells a hundred copies, you're like, well, games with black characters, you know, what you gonna do? They just don't sell, I guess. But but the other part is you also kind of want it to fail because you don't want it the thing that's the stereotypical thing to be the thing that succeeds. Right. <laughs> we need more prisoners as main characters in games. And no, that's not to say that, you know, obviously we know that people of all races go to jail, but how many times has the, the main character of a black story been somebody, you know, trying to stay off of the streets? It's just. Oh, dude, every time it's a superhero, it's yeah from from some problem neighborhood or part of town, like had some home dysfunction of some kind, possibly drugs in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's like the same thing. It's, it's the Luke Cage thing, you right. know? Like it's always that way. Sweet Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> just a- I mean, you know, and I think honestly, real talk, I think that's one of the appeals to Miles Morales, exactly. especially the way they did the movie is right. Like, yeah, he he had a quality mom there. His dad was a police officer. Right. Like, you know, he's he had, a like, gifted kid. Yeah. I mean, just- he was just a good, normal kid. Right. With parents that had normal jobs and like normal home life. And it was like, cool, we can make the story about, him having normal issues yeah. and being a superhero and trying to figure out how to deal with his new powers and whatever. And we didn't have to do all this other ridiculous side stuff. Like, well, right. you know, he's trying not to get caught up in the gang while he's got his superpowers yeah. or, you know, like, yeah, it's unnecessary. And don't get me wrong, represents part of the community, but just like we've yeah. talked about before, right? When you had the, the different worlds and the Cosby shows or whatever, it's like, Hey, these black people exist too. You know, like, it's okay to tell these stories. Yeah. So. Oh, and I guess a b- bonus, what did you learn? Because uh, the Surge uh, Prize scene, there's a Whitney Houston movie out now. I heard something biopic. about that. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen it yet. Apparently, there was serious talk that Whitney Houston was, was going to be Denise Huxtable. She auditioned for it. Oh, really? And they liked her because, of course, she's obviously very beautiful, very talented, and later, you know, became an actress after she had established herself as a singer. But turned out she really, as they were talking about it, she decided she wanted to focus on her singing career. And, of course, at that point, yeah, you want the actress that really you're sure wants to be an actress. Wow. What that could That would have been a good pick. Yeah, I mean, what that could have done for the history of Hollywood. I mean, would she ever have started singing? Who knows? Yeah. I, that's wild. That would have been a good pick. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, that is a good. What did you know? So, mine this week is a little bit different. Like this is this is in the science realm of stuff, but it's very cool. So, apologies on my pronunciation of this, but there's a condition called retrograde cricopharyngeus dysfunction, or otherwise known as RCPD. But the condition, if you want to call it that, I guess, is that it's keeps you from burping or effectively passing air out of your system. So obviously this leads to large amounts of pain, heartburn, 
it messes up your gut health, all that stuff. But the problem was up until 2019, doctors didn't know what it was, right? They didn't know how to identify it. They just, you know, people would come in with various pains and they're just trying to figure out what it's caused from or whatever, or why they couldn't pass air. Like they just didn't know why. Well, in 2019, doctor, I was maybe John Hopkins, I believe one of those, one of the major hospitals you've heard of before. Uh, they actually did a study, figured it out. And turns out the, the way it's classified, the cricopharyngeus gene or not gene, but uh, parts, I guess it's like a gland is actually a thing that has to release and relax for you to be able to pass air. Well, now that they identified it, they're okay. Well, how do we get this thing to relax so people can live a normal life and not be in pain? Turns out the solution is actually just Botox. Like a thing that already exists that they already use for other stuff. So the doctors went, well, hey, what if we just inject it with Botox, cause it to relax, and then what? Turns out not only does it work, but it's pretty permanent. That's wild. Yeah. So people who get it, they said some very small percentage needed like a second shot. And there was only one person who a second shot didn't work. And that's because their condition was so bad they needed a whole different procedure. So basically, it's a one and done. Like, imagine being somebody who, like, you had to fear drinking a carbonated beverage. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, your whole life. And then you're told, like, oh, yeah, you can come in and get this, like, whatever, $100 shot or whatever. Boom, boom. You're good to go the next day. And never have to worry about it again. How crazy is that? And so many times in science, they have been trying to fix one problem and found out a side effect. For example, probably the most famous example of that is Viagra. They were trying to figure out what to do about high blood pressure and then just had the unexpected side effect of also being a boner pill. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it happens like that. You know, same thing with Botox, right? Like it's, you know, obviously people use it for cosmetics to get rid of like crow's feet around their eyes and stuff. But it has a bunch of actual other uses that you can use it for. And this turns out to be one of them. So, man, one of those things where, like, science is just awesome sometimes. And from what I understand, the condition, you know, it's not, it's you know, like 1% of the population, some small number. So, it, but on the grand scale, it's still a lot of people that are going to end up living a better life just because somebody realized, like, what the issue was and just went, oh, yeah, have we tried Botox? All <laughs> right. And then they ran the test, and the tests were so successful, they went, yeah, I think that's it. We just have to jab it, and we're done. So, yeah, it's cool, man. I just, one of those times you look and go, like, I, like, I wish I knew somebody personally that had the condition, because I would love to, like, follow up and see their life for the next six months as they get to try right? all these new things, right? Stuff you couldn't eat before, things you couldn't do before. Because even just sucking in too much air could be a problem. Yeah. I imagine losing using straws to drink were probably hell. Just the, the things you take for granted, like being able to belch. You know? Yeah, like li- that's it sounds dumb, but that's life changing for some people. Truly, <laughs> like that's crazy. So yeah, just a fun thing. But uh, let's get into this week's topics. And we kind of have a variety of topics this week, all around magic, but. The first one we want to touch on, and this has kind of come up in a few things as we start approaching the end of the year and people are talking about plans for next year or whatever. But the question became, is there too much magic content? And I'm not totally sure how I feel on this stance. I think 
and and I don't know, you can tell me if you agree or disagree with me, but like for me, I think it's a kind of a double-edged sword thing. And and this might just apply to every game out there, truthfully. Is I think there's still room for more people. Right? Anybody can get in there. It's it's open season. Land is free. Go claim it. Yeah. If you want to get into it. I don't have a problem with that. And there's probably still some perspective or an audience for everything. So if something's underserved, go for it. I think there's some people jumping in on the same thing when there's already a lot being done. I mean, we're seeing a ton of of commander channels or whatever, right? Or commander shows. And the other part of that is I think it's fine that there's a lot of them because there's room for everybody and there's billions of views and clicks to be had. But a lot of them are just being done poorly. And I think that's the bigger problem. Not that a lot of them are out there, but that a lot of them are bad. And people are trying to blame it on there just being no room for competition. And I think that's totally not accurate and completely unfair. Unfair, Because I, and, and this wasn't even a magic player, but as an example, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but there was somebody multiple people that I went and followed, but the one that got me started on my research over the weekend was somebody had posted, how do I grow my reach on my streams? Because my stream setup is fire, my content's fire, but, you know, using emojis and whatever, but I can't get people to come watch. So I'm like, okay. Honestly, my first thought was, if this is all true, let me see if I can give this person a little bit of advice if I can help, right? So... I go look, and honestly, it was one of the more busted presentations on on Twitch. Like, first off, when he said his his stream setup was fire, not fire, dude. It it was barely a match that had burned out two seconds ago. Like, it, it it wasn't even a candle wick, much less a lit candle wick. Like, I, I, the only way I can describe it is. Whatever game he had on screen, and I can't remember which one it was. I think it, I think it was Fortnite, but he had a he had his camera shot or his head shot, right? His his head cam, and it was like a lot of people, you know, you have it in the lower right or upper left or whatever. But it was it wasn't even in the lower right. It was like if you had the lower right corner, and then you slid over like fifteen to twenty percent of that bottom row. And then, for whatever reason, move the camera down to where, like, maybe 20, 25% of the camera wasn't even on the screen. And that was the camera positioning. <laughs> and then the camera itself had bad lighting. The dude was kind of, because of the lighting and the qu- camera quality, was kind of sort of grayish. And, like, it just it just wasn't good. The audio was I wouldn't call it good or bad. It it was it was passable, was what I would say. So I'm looking at this going, nothing about this is exceptional. Like I'm reviewing the thing and trying to watch what the bot commands are that came up, whatever. Not much there. So I'm just like, this is what people are putting out, thinking they're doing everything right, and then complaining that there's too much content or that they can't get viewers or that nobody's watching their stuff. And it's like, how do we like I don't, and those are people I don't even know where to start to help because you're not even doing the basics. Like, I, honestly, why is part of your camera just not even on the screen? 
Like, I don't, I don't understand. So like that stuff I look at and go like, yeah, that that's nobody's going to watch that. Hell, there's a magic group that man. Okay. I have to be careful here. Cause again, I'm trying not to throw people under the bus, so I'm not going to over describe their channel, but there is a magic group that, that puts footage up of, of whatever. I'm not going to say what it is. Cause if I tell the format and stuff, it'll definitely give it away. But they don't even have their audio right. Like they have two people talking and one is one is barely where you can barely hear them or whatever. And the other is like really this loud or whatever, like back to back. And I'm like, I, how do you listen to like nobody who loaded this just like change the audio levels and editing or anything. Like it's the only thing you're putting on screen. Like that's the problem I have. Not that there's so much content. It's just that a bunch of it is bad. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say mine's perfect. But I'm at least actively trying to make it better every couple of months, coming back and changing a thing and testing lighting and doing new layouts and messing with sound levels and, you know, color grading or whatever, and just trying to make it better. But I don't know, dude, like, how do do you feel? Because I know know there's a lot out there in every game right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, as you said, it applies to every game genre, probably every TV and movie genre. Like, if it's, if it's, there's God, how many zombie movies have there been? Oh, Ten God. billion, yeah. you know. But still, like uh, when something comes out, like uh, all of us are dead on Netflix. My, me and my family binge watch that because it was incredibly well done. Just a really good zombie flick. But yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> throw another one out because it's movies we can't throw names out. Zombies three, yeah, not as much. I don't ever need Ooh, to see. That sounds, that sounds bad. Yeah. But I, but I think it's on at least two or three. So part of it, I guess, it's almost like Sharknado to where it's just so terrible. People sit through it because of how terrible it is. Now, okay. I, now, I will say that. When that's part of your gimmick, I get it. Right? Like like you're saying about, like, the sci-fi movies. They're, they're yeah. given whatever it is, like $50,000 or whatever yeah. or $100,000 and told they have, like, five days to go film a movie. Right? Yeah. So, you know, the quality you're getting, and that's kind of part of the appeal and the, the, I don't know, like there, there's something to that though, of this is the look and feel we know we're getting and it's supposed to be kind of campy, right? Yeah. One of my friends at the critic was interviewing somebody, you know, that makes those, you know, largely horrible, like sci-fi channel, like Sharknado quality movies. And the director told him, look, nobody for the most part sets out to make a bad movie. You've got an idea, you know, you got whatever your budget is, you know, isn't enough, but you, you think you got something that you can work. And I'll tell okay, who starred in this? Urkel. Then, well, yep. okay. You know, there goes your action movie. <laughs> no matter how well it's written, no matter what your special effects budget is, nobody's taking Urkel seriously as the guy, you know, that murders all the, the aliens or whatever. Oh, sure. You know, and, and I think that can work for content as well, right? Like if your whole thing is about being low budget yeah. And looking a certain way and, you know, you you play that up about being campy or not having money or resources. OK, cool. Because now that's part of your bit. MST 3000 is, you know, the primary yeah. example of that. Probably that's a very good, good one to use. Right. So not everything has to be high production, whatever. But there are tons of people online that'll tell you how to get a stream set up or a recording set up for fifty dollars for one hundred dollars. Right. There's reviews of even like. Man, you don't have money for a good camera. You can get this budget camera on Amazon. It's like $22 and it actually does these things, right? 
so there's solutions out there. Hell, I've talked about it before where I didn't have lighting when I started. I had two $12 lamps from from Target and I used white generic thin dishcloths for diffusers. That's what I had. And people were like, oh, did you get a new camera? The thing looks so much better or whatever. It's like, nope. You know what I did? I watched a lot of videos on lighting and went, okay, how can I make this work on the cheapest possible budget I can afford? Right. Right. So even that isn't an excuse. So like, I don't think there's too much content. And honestly, I think there's going to be more content. I think as we move away from we're kind of already there where we're really outside of like new exciting moment shows or live sports and maybe news people aren't watching a lot of regular television these days you know a lot of people are on the content platforms and you know some of these shows that a good example is like good mythical morning right they didn't even want to do that show they had other things they would do, but that's what caught on so then that became yeah. their four day a week five day a week show or whatever and now they're huge i will say that is absolutely a thing that happens and you got to be receptive to it you know we we we, we didn't start out on Alex ever after thinking we were doing a bunch of grocery hauls but those took off so we're doing a bunch of grocery hauls yeah some of those do hit for y'all though <laughs> yeah <laughs> That but, was not the original plan. That's just some, you know, that Tish is really good at it and people responded to it. But even that, it still speaks to the whole family thing. The economy yeah. goes south and people are looking to save money and they're looking for deals. And like, and here, honestly, now that you brought that up, I think that's a big point to content that people forget that makes a difference on if you feel like it's a wasted show or not. It's, is the show providing value? Yep. That's the biggest thing. Like, and, and I've talked to some creators about that specifically recently. When they've not gotten traction or they put up a video and they don't understand why it hits, I was like, are people taking anything away from this? Because like, if I just get on and I just complain about a thing and that's all I do every time, well, what are people's benefit to show up? Now, if I'm complaining about something, but I'm also introducing background info that other people haven't talked about, or I'm getting interviews with people that haven't spoken on that topic before or whatever. Okay. Now people are getting extra information and that's the value. Or if you're just, you know, if you are really like, for example, in the the gaming genre, if you're angry Joe and it's really funny to listen to you go on an hour long rant, you know, it's just, okay. It's, it's not just complaining. It's also entertaining. Agreed. That's, that's value though, right? Entertainment. But if you were just going through the motions, like, you know, the number of people who like, I'm going to do a Call of Duty thing or whatever. And it's just watching you play Call of Duty with no voiceover, no nothing. It's like, well, hell, I could have just turned my Xbox on and just let it play through. And that would have been the same thing. I'm just watching a game demo. Like, what's the benefit, right? Same thing with Magic. Like, if you're just on there and you're just like, I've seen people literally record them playing themselves and, you know, overhand camera on like a tabletop. And it's just two people playing Magic. They're not interacting with the camera. They're not really like discussing their plays other than like telling the person what they're doing. And I'm like, what's the value here? It's like I just walked into your kitchen and just watched both of y'all playing at at the dinner table. Like there's no personality. There's no nothing. Like that's where I start thinking like, okay, you're just filling up the space and making it worse for everybody. Like you need to go. But everybody coming in, making like a solid effort I don't have a problem with any of that. I think there's still room for more. And like I was saying earlier, I think as we move forward and more people 
are looking for more entertainment and more people are looking for ways to make money, you're going to see more people stepping into the content arena. And I, there's money to be made. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's a lot of work and a lot of research to do it right and stand out. But I think that's the real issue these days is there was a point where I think if you were just consistent and put stuff up, eventually you were going to make it. I think now there's enough content out there that like you have to put in real effort. Like you have to be better than somebody else. You have to be bringing something to the table. If you're not, yeah, then you then you are going to feel like there's too much or that your favorite people you're trying to push don't hell. I saw a thing today. There's a I guess a company or a brand that's sponsoring some people or whatever. I don't know their agreement, but one of the guys has 80 some videos up and only had 80 subscribers. And his group, I guess I'll call it, was like, hey, can you help our person get to 100 subscribers? And I was like, that's that's the appeal we're making now? Like, you're struggling to get to 100? And then I went and watched his stuff, and I'm like, production was solid, but there was, there was nothing. I was just watching him play Mario Kart. You know, some minor light commentary here or there, but I'm like, I'm not learning anything. There's no strategy being discussed. We weren't doing anything special on the level or, like hey, we're trying to break a record with whatever. It was just literally playing a regular game of Mario Kart. Yeah, that's the thing that I think you have to understand as a content creator. Basically, you know, hey, uh, you know, hey, I'm going for affiliate or whatever. Like, no one care. <laughs> Basically, like, it's like, what? You have to, again, as you say, you have to ask the people, what, what are they getting out of it? Because obviously, you hitting affiliate or partner or whatever, is that's what you're getting out of it. What you got to ask is what is the viewer going to get out of it? Because that's what's going to make them tune in. Yeah. If there was something I could say is like, is if every time you put a piece up, you're thinking about the person that's going to be consuming it, you will get where you're going faster. Because that's literally what I did with mine was, okay, people don't normally see a black person on camera. So let me film it this way. So this creates a different dynamic, right? Well, people talk about decklists like this, but if I want to have a more controlled discussion, let me present it like this, and then this makes a little more sense, right? Even though it's a little more jarring, this will have more impact on the people who need it, right? And then that just made a difference. And these were things people commented on, and I was like, okay, cool. And people asked me, like, well, how is it working for you? And I'm like, because it's different. <laughs> I mean, like, because I understand the purpose. I can, like I said before, I can tell you why I do every single thing in a video why every single thing is clipped the way it is, the order I put the games on the video, like all of that is all purposeful. Nothing is done by accident. And that's the difference. Now, I'm still not growing at the rate I want to grow because I don't think anybody is. Right? Yeah. Like We all want more. But I'm also not going to complain about my growth either, being at nearly right. 22,000 subscribers in three years or whatever, right? Well, less than three years. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with that, right? I will take that. But... I think people have to understand that like it's more than just turn on a camera, do a thing. And that's what I think leads to people feeling like, oh, well, I can't do it or the algorithm doesn't like me or whatever. It's like, yo, we all started with nothing. But yet somehow we're all here and we all made it. Right. So you can't say it's just. Yeah. And, you know, as I do on your channel, when you have the right topic, the algorithm is going to show it to some people. Yeah, <laughs> right. they're going to show up. <laughs> right? And I, again, I wanted to let people know it might not be the thing you wanted to talk about. Yep. That's absolutely. what you got to understand is and you got to be willing to go or or I guess you got to decide, like, am I doing this to make money or am I doing it because 
I want to put my message out there and I'm okay only reaching 75 people or 100 people. That's what the questions you got to ask yourself. If you're doing it, you know, because you plan to grow the channel and eventually make it full time, then that's a different thing. You may start, and that happens in all aspects of entertainment, really. Yeah, to some extent, for sure. Like, you know, late night talk shows used to not be very political. Then, you know, we, we had, obviously, things changed. And once The Daily Show started going very political and changing, you know, the conversation to where, you know, Jon Stewart became one of the best interviewers working in America, then all of a sudden, all the late night talk shows kind of started getting a little bit more political. Yep. Because they found out, oh, it is okay for me to talk about this. And not only is it okay, people are happy about it and respond yeah. to it. Right? But let, let me use, okay. So let me use my other two channels as an example here. I have one that was Power Dragon Outdoors, right? And my initial concept for that channel was I wanted to test things that I couldn't do on my gaming channel, right? Because I'm inside, I'm on the computer, whatever. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm doing some stuff in the Northwest now. Sometimes we're hiking. I'm doing stuff with the blackberries. I had chickens, all this stuff. And I just wanted to talk about different, you know, I did one, I think I recorded while I was on a camping trip or whatever, because I never camp. So just like, hey, this would be a fun video. But ultimately, people wanted more chicken content. Like that, like those videos did light years better than everything else. But even without me posting a lot on there, it still has, hell, I haven't posted on that one in a year plus, and it still gets subscribers every month. It's only at 267, but I'm putting like no effort into it, right? But if you, again, if you have the right topic and the right thing, and you're speaking about it the right way, you can draw an audience, right? I have another channel that I started putting a little more work into. I've mentioned it before. I have a, it's Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts, by the way, if you want to check it out. But I'm just trying different foods, different products, things that I was probably thinking about buying. Then I'm like, you know what? Other people are probably thinking about buying these. Let me just review the thing so people know what it is. And, you know, I've done stuff where I've I've tasted regional foods. Uh, soon I'm going to do one where y'all going to get to see me be grossed out on Vegemite and Marmite. So that'll be on there. Oh, dear. Yeah, exactly. But that still has 200 subscribers. And that channel has 20 videos. And a lot of those are short. Didn't need a whole lot of extra work. I'm kind of doing it on the side. The shorts do solid on there. But again, it's a thing that I'm giving people value, right? I'm showing them like, hey, here's some things you may not know about, or here's some crazy foods or this weird product you might have thought about or that you might need, but nobody has a review of. And I did one, we had some fruit flies. So I went and found a thing that deals with fruit flies and it worked. So I'm like, hey, I should do a video on this. And that's a great hit in video because other people probably saw it and went, does this really work? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm showing them pictures of like, no, this really works. And that's really it. Even when it comes to gaming, it's okay. Cool. Like I'm talking about the Mario Kart thing, right? What are you doing with that Mario Kart game? Are you taking one character and trying to show like how they're different, faster or better at certain things than other ones? Are you doing, we're trying to break the world record on this track you know, it, it are which ones are better at dodging certain hazards. Like, there's a whole thing you could do that would make you the Mario Kart channel to watch. But if it's just you want people to watch you play Mario Kart, well, there's no value in that. Like again, I, yeah, unless you're really funny or you're doing it with you know uh, with, with with a dance pad. That's one of the big things in gaming. Like play an Elden Ring with a dance pad if you can do that. Yeah, and obviously a, everybody draw, can't though. do that. Yeah. That's why it's entertaining. 
You know what it but is? Yeah, just playing regular the game regularly. Yeah. It, it's like all these people that want to review food channel stuff and they're just boring. It's like you're just watching people make the food and you like insult two things they do, right? But then there's Uncle Roger that is a comedian full-time as his day job and he's funny at doing it. So he gets whatever he's at now, like 6 million subscribers or whatever, yep. right? He's doing the same thing other people are doing, but his presentation is just entertaining as hell. Right. And the reality is this just may not be for everybody. Right. Not everything is for everybody. If you have trouble speaking in front of a camera, speaking to strangers makes you uncomfortable. Not to say you can't eventually do it, but maybe you got to work on some skills first. Right. We got to be. Or maybe you do one of those channels where, you know, it's primarily text based. There's a lot of those or there may be footage and then it's, you know, on screen text talking about what's happening on the screen. Yeah. But even then, you at least got to learn to edit it well. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the music makes sense and your cuts and your J cuts or whatever line up right. And like it can be done, but you can't just throw it up there. You know, and some of that just takes time. But anyway, while we're talking about magic, let's talk about failures and successes. And I want to be, I guess, a little clear. Not everything is like a total failure, but I think when and I, and I don't think you'd disagree with this. Like, we've had a lot of things come out where Magic has tried to put Magic in a different space. Yeah. And we've had all varying levels of success, right? We've had, like... And, and I guess with those, yeah, you probably could say, well, I mean, Magic Legends, definitely failure. You know, to be fair, though, I, I still stand by the fact Magic Legends failed because they tried to give us something people didn't want. Because when we first heard about it, we all went, oh, we're going to get to play Diablo with Magic characters? This is going to rule. And then what we got was this like weird hybrid with an awkward card slash mana system. And like it, it was like the worst version of both. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, a card based, you know, RPG, you know, those are like Slay the Spire, for example. Sure. The, the new Midnight Suns is incredible. But yeah, Magic Legends, it, it was not that. It, it wasn't a card based thing, but it also wasn't full on Diablo either. It was like somewhere in the middle. And it was like, why did you just give us Diablo? Literally, Give us like, and, and be honest, there's a lot of games kind of like Diablo, but like, yeah. just give us that with magic characters and magic spells done. We could have played that for hours on end, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to do that. But, you know, they have like the match three game and yeah. that actually does well or it did well for a long time. I don't know if it still is, but that made a decent amount of money. Nothing wrong with that. We have spell slingers that unfortunately it came out at a bad time. Yeah. And it was only moderately received. It's got six and seven ratings in a lot of places, which is fine. That's probably what most games get, to be honest. But, but especially for a company with the marketing budget of Wizards, they told nobody. I had to see it just, I think it randomly popped up on somebody's YouTube channel is how I found out about it. I heard virtually nothing from Wizards about it. Yeah, I think between you and me, I think the problem was Wizards had already spent a lot of time developing it and were just, let's just get it out there at this point. Yeah. I don't think they even expected a lot out of it because I remember the very, very first versions of it like that were pre-alpha tested were still there when I was there. You know, and that game didn't come out till this year. So that tells you it was like a, yeah. what, a four-year stretch or whatever before the game actually hit the market. So that might have been part of it there. But and it's tough, right? Because I do think we need to grow magic as a brand. You kind of have to do the Pokemon thing or whatever, right? Like you got to, you want t-shirts, you want stuffed animals, you want 
random, simple kids things. You want all kinds of different stuff, right? That everybody can interact with it on whatever level they're comfortable with. But to that end, what do you think going forward we should do or try with the Magic brand going into 2023 to kind of have the next project catch on? I think, you know, if you look at what Disney did, where they really, they would go to the industry leader in whatever the genre is. Like, uh, for example, Sea of Thieves is a pirate-based game that people love. It's on uh, Xbox and I think also a PC for Microsoft. And basically, once Disney saw how well this pirate game did, they just walked over and said, hey, would you like Captain Jack Sparrow in your pirate game? And Sea of Thieves said, of course we would like Captain Jack Sparrow. Let's, let's do this. How many languages can I say yes in? Right. <laughs> you know, that's a good point, though. I mean, even, you know, who actually WWE does that a lot. Yeah. They will go to a lot of different companies and be like, hey, this is the best video game company. This is the best board game thing. This is whatever. And they license out to a lot of people. Oh, right now there's a promotion. I've been seeing it on a couple of channels for, I think it's Raid Shadow Legends. So you can get a Ronda Rousey character or something yeah, signed up right now. Yes, I, I think anybody that, that, that does any, watches any WWE or plays video games has seen that ad. Yeah, so that's a thing. And I'm like, that's random, but kind of cool. Hell, they had a, right? they had the New Day in one of the, shooter games i can't remember which one it was but that Gears was a war i think yeah it was. that was earlier this year or late yeah, last year. again that is one of the industry leaders in terms of you know the shooter games yeah so i think you might be onto something with that one of just go like find the best of the best and say hey instead of us making a whole thing around this how about we give you some characters or whatever to mess with and see how that because you know what let's be real it would be kind of cool to play Fortnite with like a jace or a nissa skin or something that's got to be surely that that has to eventually be a thing because Fortnite is just—it's hard. It'd be quicker to list the properties that aren't in Fortnite. If you ever seen the movie Ready Player One, the adaptation of the book, Fortnite has basically become the game in Ready Player One where it's got oh, Chucky, yeah. it's got yeah. Godzilla, it's got The Shining, and just everything. Fortnite is now a game where Batman, you know, can. Kid can fight Rick and Morty, and then all of a sudden, Goku drops in and shoots all of them. It's become that game. I mean, I just now said that, but I'm like, you know, Wizards already has an established relationship with them because of the secret layer stuff they're working on. Like, that's a thing. And then you also, like, it'd be easy to just go, okay, like, Nissa gets a staff, so instead of having a gun, she shoots her spells out of that or whatever, right? There's or even, you know, even let them have a gun because, yeah, Batman making a gun is the complete opposite of the character but you know it's if you want to feel fulfill people's video game cosplay fantasies they let batman superman lord knows goku doesn't need a gun but they let all these characters carry guns they just you know, that is true they don't break anybody's immersion and, and to some level you have to give up that ip control i think because you yeah, can't like, like batman's gonna get a gun right like yeah. jace might have to parachute in on a thing or whatever yeah. right even though he can teleport like whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so I could get that. I, I could get behind that. Maybe that is a good thing. Just say, hey. And as you said, they've already made the contacts that they may already be talking about doing that. I yeah. can't imagine that while you're getting, you know, Fortnite pictures to put on magic cards, nobody from either side said, hey, you know, we licensed a bunch of things, right? Yeah, that's got to be a thing. I, I think I, they I, have to have t- at least talked about it. Yeah, whether it happens, I think you're right. That conversation has to have happened. But I, But I think that's a good starting point. Yeah. Like going with, uh, you know, Magic Legends instead of going to, I think it was, I want to say it was Perfect World that ended up making that game. Like if you wanted to make Magic Diablo, 
go ask Activision Blizzard because that's who makes Diablo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could have definitely done that. Yeah, that one I think was that was the biggest disappointment is as it was getting close to launch and you're going like, oh, this isn't at all what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like and, that, and the Perfect World has done really well with I think uh, Star Trek Online sure, and a couple of other, sure. but, but again, you know, I wouldn't say they are you know the industry leader in any particular category. But I think that game also plays completely differently than a lot of stuff that the nerds or the fantasy yeah. nerds like playing. Yeah, and there definitely are complaints about the monetization. That's one of the first things that cropped up by Magic Legends. Like, hey, yeah. how much money would we have to drop on this to get the character that we wanted to play? Yeah, and other <laughs> other issues piled on. And before you know it, that thing was basically dead in what a month <laughs> to maybe two. Yeah, like two months, it was gone. And, and I get it. I get it. You know, I. But I think you're right. If we kind of just go to the bigger industry people and say, hey, instead of us just making a whole thing, what if we start by just licensing out some stuff? And you just put them in there and we'll see what that response is. And then if that goes well, okay, maybe let's talk about doing a full-fledged project with you or something. I think that could be a good way. And it increases Mm -hmm. revenue for Wizards without a lot of risk. Because for a long time, Disney had its own video game studio, and they realized, you know what? Making good video games is hard. (laughs) not, Not that making good movies isn't, but Disney had already built up that movie thing over time sure if they if they had 30 years that they could have i'm sure figured it out but why don't we just find somebody that's good at making video games and license all our things to them in the case of a good example there that really solidified that for them was kingdom hearts yeah i think when they saw how popular that was and they went yeah we we would never have done that ourselves. no wouldn't have, wouldn't have known how to because when you talk about Final Fantasy style games, Square is the leader in that. Yeah, and and that the first one for sure crushed. Yep, like that one was huge, and so yeah, that's a good example of licensing there. I think and also they went uh, they put Sora from Kingdom Hearts in Smash Brothers because Smash Brothers was the industry leader and everybody's you know console mascot fighting each other. Yeah, another good example. You know, I, I, here's the other thing, too. I think they could increase the branding. And this is going to sound silly, but by just doing better branding. And, and what I mean by that is let's not even just focus on the actual game stuff we're making. And let's just make more stuff to show off the brand. Because, you know, one of the things I even when I was there and now enough times pass, I'm pretty sure this is safe. But like. One of the things I pitched that we almost made happen, by the way, but there was some timing and some budget that just didn't work out right. But we, we, my team had pitched, what if we do magic air fresheners Ooh. for like your car, right? Like, like yeah. the green, the, obviously. Yeah, it smells, smells like pine or whatever, right? The blue one smells like ocean. The black is like musk. White is the like. The red one smells like ash. I don't no, know. It smells like cinnamon. White, well, the red one smells oh, like cinnamon, right? And you could just shape them like mana symbols and they can hang from your from your mirror or whatever, right? And the idea is anybody who sees you goes like, oh, you play Magic? Well, I didn't know, right? And now it's a conversation starter. Yeah. Right? And we're like, that's so simple. You probably could sell a whole pack of them for like six, seven bucks, mm-hmm. even branded, whatever. You just reach out to another company who already does car accessories or whatever and just let them do it, right? Boom. Order it from their website. They get a bunch of new traffic they were never going to get. Everybody wins. Area rugs. I'm like, why do we not have mana symbol or even D20 area rugs yeah. that you can just put in your living room under your, your coffee table or whatever? 
don't have to be huge. They could be, I don't know, maybe four foot. You know, like people would dig those. Why do these not exist? <laughs> right? And it was like so many basic things that people would buy the crap out of. But I think yeah. for a long time, the logic I think has been, let's make the things we already know nerd. Let's make statues. You know, we know people like that stuff. You know, let's brand out more like yeah. hats or hoodies or whatever. Okay, cool. That's fine. But like a lot of magic players are older. They're trying to outfit apartments and houses and whatever. Yeah. You know, they're trying to get stuff for their kids. Why not have like, I don't know, the sheet set for planeswalkers or something? I don't know. Right. So you can outfit your kid's room with all this stuff. Like, but it, and the thing that really sold it for me, and this is I like a company thing, but it, it's known products. But we I remember while I was there, I saw basically a small catalog of information files that were basically like the culmination of, hey, here's how our brands have been integrated elsewhere or whatever. And you would see like Transformers, they did like this whole cool Optimus Prime themed dress or whatever that people were able to buy. Or like, I don't know, I'm just saying like Monopoly earrings or something that were like the Monopoly man or the little like shoe or whatever, right? And I'm like, if you can make all that, like, why can't we do that for magic? Like we should be able to buy all these things. And you're reinforcing people's appreciation for the brand, the awareness. When people ask questions about, oh, where'd you get that? What is that? Whatever, right? Now you're talking about the game and getting it out there and having those conversations. And I think there's so much room for them to make a ton of money on that, whether they produce it themselves or they license it. Oh, definitely. That's easy money all day. I mean, hell, car accessories alone, you steering yeah. wheel covers, floor mats, like, you know, whatever, magnets or, or whatever, bumper stickers, all kinds of things you could do. But even just around the house, there's fun things. Hell, you know, like there's the the Enterprise pizza cutter or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we can come up with stuff like that for magic. Star well, Trek has been really good about, you know, we're a little bit stuff out of gold press latinum or what is it? Oh, I yeah. think, uh, Klingon brandy or whatever. Yeah, so good about doing that. All that, right? Hell, there's there's like the the Star Wars cookbook or whatever. Yep. It's just like the the recipes from the different places they went, and like that's all made up stuff because we don't know what it is. But like whatever, people buy it, right? Yep. Same thing. You could do all of that for magic, and I think that's where I think wizards could focus. While, like you're saying, reaching out to these other brands, saying, "Okay, y'all go ahead and make all this digital stuff that y'all do better, and we're gonna just do the brand." Because to be fair to wizards. You've carried a brand 30 years yeah. with effectively no related branding for at least the first 25 of it. Like everything was either magic or some way to play magic, right? Even Duels of the Planeswalkers were just playing magic on your Xbox or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So like you've had nothing else to really push the brand. No TV shows. You didn't have like a crazy t-shirt line or none of that stuff until fairly recently. And it's kind of cool that, like, there's still room to grow this. That's why when people are like, ah, Wizards is a billion-dollar brand. I'm like, honestly, this could be a billion and a half easy. Oh, no, there's no doubt. They could be, you know, if you, well, just, if you look at what Riot has been able to do the past few years with League of Legends, there's the, the anime Arcane is phenomenal. I think, I don't, I don't think that, I'm trying to remember whether they won best uh, spinoff or whatever at the Game Awards. I want to say they did. Right, it's probably right. There's there's a category for like best gaming thing that yeah. went into another genre, like best cartoon, movie, or whatever. You know, Arcane was phenomenal. They did a they did an RPG 
with League of Legends characters. True. That is phenomenal. I, I would say this. I think Blizzard does a really good job yeah. of cross-branding their stuff because they had their like their MOBA that just had all their characters in it, yep. right? So the cool part to that was I had never played World of Warcraft, well, very little, almost non-existent amount of time, like a couple hours worth of World of Warcraft, right? So I didn't know what a Murloc sounded like. But because I played their other games, I knew that Murloc sounded like blah, 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 or whatever that weird noise is and they it made. It never right? occurred to you to think of it before then, right? It's yeah. Down, so. like, but that shows you that it works because yeah. now when somebody brings up that sound or does something, I'm like, that's weird. Why is there a Murloc over here? Right. Yeah. But I wouldn't know it having, you know, any other experience because I hadn't played the core game it came from. But because of the cross branding, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what a Murloc is. So, like, there's there's some value to that that I think Wizards hasn't. And and honestly, to I, to their credit, and I, and I have to give Chris Cox some of the credit as well. He was a big proponent of crossing magic in D&D. Yeah. And that's something even when I was just in retail, I kept asking, like, why is this not a thing? And I get it. There was this old school mentality of, well, you know, the RPG players don't want card games in their stuff and the card game players don't want RPGs in their stuff. Like. But we crossed a point where a bunch of people were just playing both anyway. Yeah. And what we saw is once they started releasing it, they sold. And it was like, oh, well, maybe you should be cross-branding with a bunch of other stuff because there's probably money in it. So, yeah, so I think there's still a lot of ways for the brand to grow. I think if they if they were to, like you're saying, go out, do some solid branding, licensing, and just say, hey, license this out to all these different people. Get eight or ten quality products out there with the Magic brand on it or the ip being used for something and then go out and say okay we're gonna make just lifestyle accessories with magic and D stuff on them right so much money to be made on those i mean you're, and honestly i'm not even exaggerating like hundreds of millions of dollars of worth because in our house we've already talked about it like if some of those things existed mm-hmm. we, we'd be on the website ordering them right now Right, our house will account you, for at least a thousand dollars worth of merchandise if those things come out next year. <laughs> but I think a lot of people would like your favorite characters, your favorite mana symbols, you know, D and D logos. The big ampersands is perfect for a lot of yeah. stuff. The D, big D twenties, like, and like I said, silly stuff like air fresheners. Like I, everybody I've mentioned that to has went, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, right? And none of us really need air fresheners, right? <laughs> but if they exist, you're kind of like, you know, that's cheap enough. Why not? Mm-hmm. I'll grab a set. So stuff like that, I think, really, as their mind shift changes, I think that'd be really cool to see more of that. But yeah, Wizards, I think, realistically, could still be at least a $1.5 billion, if not $2 billion company, within the next two or three years, just with those types of changes. I think that could bring in a lot of money. And not to mention, every time you do those things, that's a chance to get one more long-term customer, right? And every one of those efforts brings more people into the fold. And that's before we even talk about the the Netflix cartoon that's supposedly still in production, right? If that's even just decent, it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be decent, and that's going to draw you a bunch of people. I hope it's still in production because I mean, I've every time you turn around, Netflix is laying off and seems like another bunch of people for their animation division. So I hope it's still happening. All all the stories I've heard are basically involving a new writer because I guess the old one. And I don't again, I don't know the truth of this. Some of this is hearsay. 
some of this is like some people I trust. Some are like that might have info, but I don't know how accurate their info is or if things have changed. So take it for what it is. Grain of salt, rumor mongering, just putting it out there. But last I heard, the previous group or writer or whoever was hung up on doing like a Gideon and somebody story. And I guess the feel was like, yeah, but we've killed off Gideon and like the canon. So it's like weird to have to have that without having to find a way to resurrect Gideon, which would be kind of weird. So, you know, got some new people, had new ideas, new direction, supposedly still coming, but I'm with you. I don't know if they were going to use Netflix animation studio to do it, or if they were using a different third party company and then just putting it on Netflix. Cause we have seen with the Kamigawa uh, anime style trailer that they do have other studios they can work with that are doing really good stuff. So I don't know how they're doing it, but supposedly it's still in the works. But if that, like I said, if that's just decent, that has potential to bring in a whole new audience. So yeah, they have a lot of opportunities still ahead of them. But let's get to the dinner table conversation here because I think this is an interesting one. There's been stuff where people have shared memes about like, I think they've tried to call it like the four horsemen of happiness or like the most influential people or whatever. You see different variations of it. And it almost always includes Mr. Rogers, Bob Ross, Steve Irwin, which I kind of get right. Cause Mr. Rogers is about how you treat other people and politeness. And Bob Ross is about relaxation and taking care of yourself and showing that you can have a skill. And Steve Irwin obviously educated us about animals and the environment, whatever. But somebody did ask me, like, how come LeVar Burton isn't included in all these conversations? And that that feels like a, a real question because he's kind of the reason a lot of us learn to read. Definitely. With, with reading Rainbow, right? And that's pretty fundamental and pretty important. Hell, reading Rainbow led to this whole program in schools and everything else, right? So... I kind of, I kind of get it. And then later in life, you know, he's, he's off our TVs for whatever, like six years or whatever, and then comes back, you know, as Jordy LaForge in, in Star Trek. And now we're like, oh, we grew up and now we still get to enjoy the same dude in our favorite nerd stuff. This is kind of cool. And Before even, that, he was on Roots. I mean, I think the people that know, know everything that Lamar Burton is doing. He, he was in Roots. But I will say this, even on Star Trek, that was the first time I remember having a large scale, high production show that had a blind person as one of the main characters. Yeah. And to the point that he's even spoken multiple times about how he would talk to the directors and redo things or not want to do things a certain way because of what he represented. Cause there are definitely times where, you know, I think uh when Riker has Q's powers, he mentions, you know, I could I could give you sight again with the snap of my fingers, you know. And it, and he and, and LeVar Burton made sure that it, through the many ways they could have could have, you know, done that for Jordan. He never wanted to do it that way because of what he represented. Yeah. So like I'm with it, right? And I I, I think that is a legit question. Of like, why is he not included in these? Because for what he represented and for what he did and for what he encouraged us to do, that's equally as quality as Bob Ross yeah. or as Steve Irwin, right? Like, and hell, I would argue his run was longer than Steve Irwin. I mean, 
you know, RIP. I mean, dude was it was everything. Yeah, it would have to. I mean, dude was taken out by Stingray, which, by the way, kind of a manly ass way to go. Let's be honest. Like Stingray to the heart. <laughs> I mean, like, well, you know. I mean, if you got to go, you got to go. Though, you know. People. And maybe I, I think a lot of it is because, you know, he is, like, for example, I, I know I wanted him to get Jeopardy. I feel like you did. We talked about this, but then, you know, because the stuff just went bizarrely, he did not end up getting Jeopardy. I honestly, I thought with just the amount of support people, it, I thought he was going to be one of the finalists for sure. But, for you him. know, when the guy that's uh, running the search is also up for the job and lo and behold who gets the job the guy that was running the search and yeah, then exactly. they find out later that he's done a lot of problematic things so it's just, well they had to walk know, that back real fast anyway yeah that's you know as i speak from experience part of the problem being a black actor is you had to be sometimes two two three times as good as the white actor or game show host well you know that's been a conversation when you look at our last couple of presidents that also true. You know, like just just saying what it is. But I think the interesting thing about LeVar Burton is kind of like what you said. Like there's a lot of people when his name comes up, go like, oh yeah, I like this guy. Or like, yeah, let's support this dude. But when it just comes to mentioning him alongside other people or just bringing up his influence, he's not a name people say, you know, which is very interesting. If somebody else mentions it, people jump on board immediately and are like, oh yeah, that guy. Right, but I think I'm, it depends on the people. I know I always say it when they're having that conversation, but I don't know. You're right. I don't know if it's you know as universal as say Mr. Rogers or Bob Ross. Yeah, it's always interesting. Like I, I think he deserves to be part of those conversations. Like I don't know if I would say like I would. I, I would also argue that even you know his own franchise doesn't do him right because if you look at you know Nemesis, which is supposed to be the next generation, basically like their final voyage. He barely has any storyline. So yeah, if your own if your own show doesn't use you, it's hard for for anybody else to to put you in that kind. Well, to be fair, I thought he was actually well portrayed in the show, but yeah, bad in the, in the movie. Yeah, I think that was the difference. He and they did. I think what at least two or three next generation. I'm trying to remember. Well, they, they they did several next generation movies, and there I don't remember any of the ones where his story was really front burner, other than really being Data's black best friend. Yeah, and that was the thing in the movies. Like, the directors, for whatever reason, just didn't do anything with them. And that was kind of sad. Yeah, and the director for Nemesis had didn't watch Star Trek, gleefully mentioned they never watched Star Trek, didn't know Jordan LaForge was a human being. <laughs> so, obviously, he ain't going to use him for anything. Which is such a weird thing to even pick that person as a director. Yeah. Like, of all the directors that are probably super fans of Star Trek, that know all the lore and whatever, and, like, you pick the person who's excited to say, like, yeah, I've never watched it, but yeah, I could do the job anyway. Let's do it. Like, that's so weird. <laughs> like, yeah, I think part of that is paramount, just thinking Star Trek is too big to fail and then constantly doing things that unfortunately proved to them otherwise, like Nemesis. And then, of course, trying to reboot the entire franchise almost as a series of action movies that happen to have sci-fi in them. Yeah, that was a little tough, too. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I... I'm not going to sit here and say I, I only read because of LeVar Burton, but I think he made reading easier and acceptable and promoted it in a way that it didn't feel like, oh, this dumb, nerdy thing to do. You know, and I think that's one of the big selling points. So, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, he's on that same pillar. And I think I about agree. influential characters that 
if I were going to say, you know, I don't know, our Mount Rushmore yeah. of like dudes that helped us growing up or helped educate people or teach them to be better humans, I think he would be on that list. Definitely. It might be him, Mr. Rogers, Bob Ross, Steve Irwin. Maybe. Could, yeah. I mean, some people, I don't know, maybe make an argument for like Bill Nye or something because, you know, yeah. got people interested in science or whatever. I'm sure everybody is going to list, you know, their own favorite Sesame Street character if you grew up. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, it, could, for, it could be Big Bird for you. If you're, you know, from the grew up in the 90s, it's probably Elmo was the character that really yeah, did it for you. There, there's probably something there. But I some combination of those three have to appear on people's list of four, I think. Like, and their stuff still gets rewatched, still holds up. Hell, there's still a, or last I saw, there was still a Twitch channel that just ran Bob Ross stuff 24-7. Right. Like, <laughs> that's still a thing. And Irwin's kids are now carrying his legacy. They're doing stuff yeah. all over social media or whatever. So, I mean, th these are very influential people for sure. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I don't know. Let me know on the Discord for those of you that are members. Like, how do you feel about this topic? What is What is your four look like? That's also a curious thing. Or hit us up on, on Twitter and let us know on the Color of Magic account. Because I, I think this is actually an interesting conversation. Maybe I'll post that and let people respond because I'm curious. But all right, Brian, what's everybody where they can find you on social media? I am Brian Tonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. Almost couldn't spell my own thing for some reason. But yeah, check me out. I got a bunch of stuff going on. And like I said, if you want some fun reviews and maybe get some info on products that'll help you out, check out Power Dragon Reviews as well. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 